Bible, you can open in Matthew chapter 6. If you've got a tablet, open that up and keep your thumb or finger right there. And we're just going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you as we open the Scripture. We open your word. We know, Jesus, you are the word of God that we live by. You're the word of God that sustains us, that keeps us. And Lord, as we, uh, we ask for your Holy Spirit to speak your word right into the depths of our hearts and our beings. And let us be changed and transformed by your word that speaks to us so boldly, so uh, accurately and so clearly. Let our ears be ready to hear what your Holy Spirit is saying to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Matthew 6, we're going to jump in at verse 21. Do not store up treasure for yourselves on earth, where moth and rust they consume, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. I want to talk this morning about a living for a higher value. What are we treasuring? What are we valuing in life? I think it's quite appropriate as we see the shops seem to be emptying and people stockpiling that this seems to be an appropriate message for today. What do you treasure? What are you stockpiling? What are you storing up? That's point number one. Point number two I want to talk about what's keeping your attention? Where are your eyes focused? What do you value the most? And the wisdom that comes from God, the knowledge that comes from God, that's what we're aiming for. We're aiming for the Lord himself to reveal Christ to us. And that's got to be one of the highest values that we have. We can all have knowledge, but we need wisdom to apply that knowledge. I love it when someone said recently, take my advice because I'm not using it. And I think that's quite funny. We're great at giving advice sometimes, but are we great at living by those things? And finally, I want to look at Christ's order of values. So it comes from Matthew 6, 21 right through to 26 this morning. That's the sermon scriptures I'm using. It's from the Sermon on the Mount where Christ talking began talking about consumerism and what it means to just be focused on earthly things rather than looking at heavenly things. And while you're out this week panic buying your coffee and wine or whatever things that the shops are running out of, um, realize it doesn't take much for people to be in fear. It doesn't take much for people to think, what can I not do without? And I would love it if we got to the point where we say, God... I actually can't do without your word. I actually can't do without you in my life. I can't do without the knowledge of you. And often when we feel threatened uh, or we're feeling challenged in, another, uh, in, a, in areas of our lives, we're looking for something or someone to give us some comfort. And what happens when we place more value on earthly things than we do heavenly things? There is a treasure that we have in Christ that nothing can take away. I love in Romans 8 when Paul says, nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. So the love that we've found in Christ is not something that can easily be taken away from us. 
he goes on to say, not even death can separate us. But it's the kind of attitude that looks to the love of God as something that fulfills us and sustains us. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will have no fear of evil, for God is with us. And here's our shepherd. He's guiding us, protecting us, and we shall not be in want. I tell you, when you're in want, you're in fear. And perfect love casts out all fear. And we have the Holy Spirit bear witness in our hearts that we are loved by him, that we are children of God, that we look to Christ. He's the author, the finisher of our faith. That's why I want to talk about our value system. What do we hold dear? What do we think is useful, important, or has worth in our lives? In ethics, a value denotes a degree of importance of something of sort or some action that determines the way that we live or determines that there is a best way to live by what we value. There are many ways. It's true there are many ways that a person can live, but it's wrong to say that no way to live is of higher value than another. In our postmodernity, in our, in our society, where people have declared that they don't need God as a moral lawgiver. They don't need a higher value of ethics other, other than themselves to decide what is considered ethical, what is considered right and wrong. And this birth of moral relativism has come into our society where you hear it said, you don't tell me what to do and I won't tell you what to do. And this creeps into the church, if you've noticed. People say, who are you to judge me? Um, well, yeah, that's true. Judge not, least you be judged. Jesus said that. I'm not taking that away. But there is a right judgment that doesn't condemn. You know, there's a difference. When you condemn someone in your heart, there's a difference between making a right judgment. You do that with your children. You know that you teach your children there's a right way to live. You teach your children to tell the truth, to be honest. Because you know being honest and telling the truth is the right way to live. Unless you're a complete psychopath, then you tell your children just to lie, 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 lie. Get yourself out of it. I don't know anyone who does that. I don't know anyone that says just telling lies is the right way to go about living your life. Now, there are people who tell, tell lies because it gets them out of temporary difficulty. Yeah? And you know when that happens because you say, oh, just a quick lie. Get me out of a temporary situation. But it cannot be a right way to live. It cannot be your long-term strategy. Just turn to your neighbor and say, stop lying as a long-term strategy. Uh, I'm glad we can laugh about these things, but, you know, there is a right way to live. There is a right way to live and there is a wrong way to live and we know the consequences to the wrong way to live. It's why we have prisons. This is why we know that there's evil in the world. We know there is a standard of righteousness and we also know when we fall short of said standard. But you know, today is one of the best days that we could be alive. Actually, it's probably a better day than it was yesterday. The prosperity that we live in it's so much better. The peace that we live in is so much better, even than the 20th century, where we saw people aiming nuclear weapons at each other. Of course, they're still doing that. But the threat of that button being pushed 
or the threat of the far right from Nazism or the, the threat of the extreme left from, uh, from Mao or from Stalin. And they killed millions of people. And you can't say that that was right. You can't say, oh, that was a different culture. That was a different time. Who are we to tell that culture what's right and what's wrong? Well, the Nuremberg trials dealt with that, didn't they? They said, that no, that was wrong. That was evil and it was wrong and we can't live that way. So forget this moral relative stuff. There is a right way to live and there's a wrong way to live and we know it right inside. And we're living in the most prosperous, blessed time that we could ever live. Do you know there's so much good news out there that the TV is not telling you? That people are being brought out of poverty, out of abject poverty by their thousands, that the poverty rate in this world has halved in the last 16 years. There's more obese people than there are starving people. And where there are starving people, it's for political gain. We are doing better. Now there's a gap between the rich and the poor You know, we, we need to deal with. But people are better off today than they were even 16 years ago. We're dealing with childhood diseases at a, at a, and wiping these out in a vast rate. There is good news out there. There's not the wars that there was in the 20th century. Now this world's not perfect and we're working on it and we're all working on it. But you know, people are being educated. Someone asked me, oh, there's so many charities. What do I give to? Do I give to the donkey sanctuary? Do I give to the cat protection? And, you know, where, where can I put my money? And I think, well, you know what brings people out of poverty the quickest is education. And you see countries where they, edu- they begin to educate women. I don't know why I'm talking about this. But you educate women, it brings the whole nation out of poverty. It's National Women's Day. There you go. And where the education has been lacking, it brings people out of poverty. And do you know what? When people are educated and prosperous, they begin to care about the environment. You've got to bring people out of poverty, number one then they know how to deal with sicknesses. They don't know how to deal with, uh, begin to educate the next generation. And they also understand uh, to look after our environment. Because if you're in poverty, all you can think about is, where's my next meal? Where's the next thing coming from? I don't know why I've gone off on this tangent. I really, like, I need to bring me back on track this morning. But when we begin to place our value system in order... And I think, can we return to a simpler time? You know, we've got all our technology, our smartphones and all these things. They're here to stay. And it's not as if we can chuck away all our technology. Let's get real. We can't do it. We, We need it. We depend upon it. But when we begin to value things more than we value people, I think our society is in trouble. I think when our social engagement becomes all virtual instead of actual, we're in a bit of trouble. And when we begin to place value on kindness instead of selfishness, when we can start valuing others as God values us, we begin to include others in what we do. Could we be more spiritual than we are earthly Yeah, I think we can. Paul said to the church in Colossians, 
He says, fix your eyes on what is above. Fill your thoughts with heavenly thoughts. And actually, it's a good point, isn't it? What is consuming our thoughts? What are we thinking about all the time? What are we valuing? What are we spending our money on? You know, we took an offering recently for our Linkin Lives project. This reaches out to the most isolated and lonely in our community. And it made me think, it's, it's sad that we need a visiting program to deal with loneliness, where we should actually just be reaching out to our neighbour and looking out for each other. But it is, I understand it's difficult. And we do need a program to make sure that we don't miss out anybody. But maybe people are too busy, I don't know, maybe the busyness is an excuse to look out for their neighbours. But we took an offering, and I, we counted it up, and it came out just less than a pound a person had given to this project. And we're still fundraising for that. We're over a, over a £1,000 now to get this off the ground and get this started. And I'm not saying this to, to shame anybody or to uh, make anyone feel guilty. But if that is something that is of value to you, to see people included, then I think that's something we ought to give our time, our energy and our money to. And they say, well, listen, I haven't got the money to give, but... I've got an hour or two a week that I could maybe visit somebody. And maybe it's not part of a program. Maybe it's just opening your eyes and seeing the need of people around you. Maybe that would be a start of, of something. Maybe we need to start a revolution. That means no one gets missed out. No one gets left out. Is that okay? Where is your treasure? What is, where is your value system? What is your beliefs? How are your beliefs affecting the way you speak and the way you act? Jesus said, out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. He continued in regard to Jewish dietary laws. He said, it's not what goes in that defiles you, but it's what comes out of you. What's in your heart tends to come out. And it's not that you know, we ought to be careful what we eat and what we drink. You know, putting harmful chemicals in your bodies is going to cause you long-term problems. And we know what's not good for us and maybe we struggle to take advice and I get that. I do. Believe me, I get that. But the moral and the ethical state of the kingdom of God is not in food and drink, but it's in righteousness, peace and in joy in the Holy Spirit. I tell you what comes out of us is what we put in to us. Let's fill our hearts with love and kindness and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. If we focused on Christ and his righteousness, his peace and joy will be us with us by the Holy Spirit. And in our lives, our values, our attitudes, our behaviours, uh, including our ethical, our moral values, our doctrinal values, our ideolo ideological values, our social values, even our aesthetic values, is something we need to be aware of. I think some self-awareness is needed when it comes to the way we act and the way we speak. James talks about this. He says, you say you have faith? Well, show me by the what you do. James 2, verse 18 
Show me your faith apart from your works, and I by my works will show you my faith. I will show you my faith by the way I act, or I will act in a way that shows that I believe in God. Paul, when he talks about that knowledge of God, that excellence of the knowledge of God, what he considered more valuable than life itself, and even his upbringing in Philippians, he talks about how he was educated and how he had this going for him and that going. And he says, I count them all as worthless, as nothing, that I may gain the excellence of the knowledge of God. You know, something that we value is something that we put our time and our effort into. Do you value the knowledge of God? We need that self-awareness to what we value the most. And maybe we need to ask the Holy Spirit, help us. Show me what's in my heart. David would say things like, create in me a clean heart, a pure heart. Renew and restore that right spirit within me. I want to want what you want. And in Jeremiah, he says, I'll write my laws upon your heart so you'll want it. I'll write them in your mind that you might know it. And we can ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us where is our value system at? Or if you've got a smartphone, you can have a look on your smartphone and it can tell you how many hours you've spent this week on social media. Did you know it can do that? You need to go and do this, every one of you. Have a look. Scary, scary, scary thought. You say, I'm too busy. Yeah, but I've spent three hours on TikTok today. Uh, so what's going on? You know I'm preaching to myself, don't you? Do we value our smartphone more than the people we're sharing a meal with? Yowza. I'll let that one hang in the air. I think there is a hierarchy of values for the Christian life, and it is reflected in the way that we practice, the way that we live. My second point is where is our focus? What grabs our attention? What are we looking at as the source of our purpose and our hope? Could we repurpose ourselves? Could we fix our eyes on things that are worthy and not things that are unworthy? Matthew 6, are you still there? The next verse in verse 22 and 23. Jesus continues, the lamp is the, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, the whole body will be full of light. What are you looking at? What are you focused on? What are you feeding yourself? Do you know your eyes are feeding your soul? It's the truth, isn't it? What are you feeding on? There's that old phrase, it's garbage in, garbage out. What are you looking at? Jeremiah says, I make a covenant with my eyes. I only look at things that are full of worth, not of worthless things. If your eye is unhealthy, the whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? We value things by the way we look at them. And to know if something is of true value, we ought to know what is right from wrong, what is good from bad, what is light from darkness. And Jesus says, when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. And I want to live in freedom. 
I want to have that knowledge of the truth, not just for knowledge its sake. Aristotle was teaching and he said, you need knowledge of the truth for its own sake. But that's not what Jesus taught. Jesus said, I have come to bear witness of the truth. Isaiah 65 says God is himself his truth. In Romans 1, he says those who reject God are those who suppress the truth. In addition, those who have no knowledge of God as truth resides in God actually begin to destroy themselves. We need to know what's right and what's wrong. That's 1 Corinthians 1.34. We are seeking revelation from God. God, reveal yourself to me. I love it when, in, is it Matthew 16, where uh, Peter makes that bold declaration. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says something really interesting and says, Blessed are you, for my Father reveal this to you. This wasn't because of your human knowledge. This wasn't because of your virtue. This wasn't because you were good enough, but you are blessed. This knowledge came from my Father. The primary source of knowledge is, is God himself, and the highest form of knowledge is God. And when we, when we seek God, we seek his kingdom. We seek his righteousness. And all the other things come into place. When Jesus said to him, blessed are you, it wasn't something he had done that was virtuous. It was something that God had revealed himself to him. I don't know about you, but I want that revelation of God for myself. I want to go to his word with the Holy Spirit enabling me, empowering me, speaking to me, that I can have that first-hand knowledge of God. Yes, you can listen to great sermons like this one. Uh, You can hear what others say about God, but it's not a substitute for that knowledge of God for yourself. You've got to go to the source. You've got to go to him yourself. You've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was preaching to the woman in Samaria in John chapter 4, she went off into the town and began to witness to the whole town Then they came and they said, we believe because of the woman spoke to us, but now we believe for ourselves. They had that personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Job says this in Job 42. At the end of all the discussions and backwards and forwardsing that Job had with all his friends, he says this, uh, verse 5, he says, My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. I tell you, we need to have that revelation of God for ourselves. Verse 6, he says, Therefore, I retract my words. I repent in dust and ashes. I tell you, when you have a meeting with God yourself, there's a repentance. Repentance doesn't mean penance. It means a change of heart and mind. I was talking to someone this week and I was just thinking, so much compassion for them. There are so many things in their life that are going wrong and they're going down the wrong path and I can see it so clearly. And I thought, I can go down the judgmental route. I can tell them, this is wrong, this is wrong, that's wrong. Which I'm not ashamed to do. But actually, you know what? I need to introduce them for Jesus Christ. I know an encounter with Jesus Christ will change and transform their lives. 
And that's our job. We've got to bring people to Christ, bring them to that knowledge. You know, there's a revelation that comes and a wisdom that comes from knowing God. Ephesians, Paul says that in 1.17. He says, I'm asking God, our glorious Father, that he'll give you the wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. And he goes on to say that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. That's the kind of enlightenment that we want to live, that our eyes behold him and we see his glory. Doesn't it say that when we see him, we'll be like him, for we shall know him as he is? I tell you, I want that depth of revelation. I want that depth of revelation. I ask, he says, verse Ephesians 1 verse 18, I ask that my eyes of my heart be enlightened so that I may know the hope of his calling and the riches of his glorious inheritance. Wow. You know, the words of just let them sink into your life and say, God, I want this kind of revelation. I want that blessing of knowing him, that internal state as a result of my relationship with God. This is why Jesus says, blessed are you who are persecuted for my sake. Even if you're being persecuted, you're blessed. You're blessed. And when you know God, you know what it means to be blessed by him. And it didn't, Peter's blessing didn't come from anything he had done, but it comes from that gift of God, that, of revelation and wisdom that came to him. Wisdom is a gift from God. James says, if you lack it, Ask for that wisdom. Can we value wisdom? Wisdom begins in our fear of the Lord or reverence for the Lord. And when you revere God, it's like you're putting him in his rightful place. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So putting God first place in a reverent fear brings you wisdom, brings you guidance, brings you life. Take my words, for they are words of eternal life. Jesus spoke these things, and his disciples saw that, and they had that revelation that this is all about Jesus. And that reverence brings devotion, because it values God above others. When we put things into their proper place. And we don't need to be concerned about the rest because we don't look to gain the whole world and yet lose our soul. We're not looking to store up things in barns, Jesus says. You store up all these things, but you don't know that tomorrow your life is, will be taken from you. My final point. We're still in Matthew 6. Next verse, verse 24 and 25. No one can serve two masters. Hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is why I tell you not to worry about your everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink, enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? You know, Jesus is posing a question, but he's actually hinting already at the answer. I love it when he does that. He's usually giving us the answer to the question. And the question is, what is more important to you? And Jesus had a hierarchy of values. And number one, God. These are the hierarchy of Jesus' values from this verse. God is number one. He's more valuable than life. 
life or that which has breath? Our relationships. I tell you, it's time we got our priorities right. It's time we put things in order. What do we value? Number three, our body, our health, our safety, our security. Number four, our finances, our money and its instruments. Number five, our food, what do we enjoy, what do we look for comfort, what fulfills us and clothes. Of course, clothes have value. It's very cold out there. Try it without clothes. Please don't. (laughs) I'm not looking at anyone in particular. What do we value? What is most important in our lives? Do we have a hierarchy of value? Does it reflect what we believe? What we believe, does it reflect in the way that we live? Does it reflect in what we give our time to? You know you value something because you'll give it more time than other things. Or do we value things more than people? Are we looking to store up and hoard things for ourselves and panic buy and all those other things? Or do we look to Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, saying, God, fill me with your wisdom. Fill me with your knowledge and your understanding. Let's just stand and pray. Should we do that? And maybe things have got in the way. Maybe you've got the priorities upside down. I don't want to call for repentance because repentance is a change of thinking, a change of heart. And I really believe this is a call to repent. If you've got your values upside down, it's time to turn them the right way up. It's time to change your way you think about what is of value, what is of priority. Lord, I treasure you. I treasure your word. I treasure the knowledge of you. Lord, help me to look upon things that are only good for me, that fill my life with your light and your truth. I'm not here to serve money. I'm here to serve God. I'm here to put you first in my life, to acknowledge you in all of my ways, to ask you to direct my path and my steps, that my delight is in you, that my hope is in you and you alone. Amen.